Some years ago, I was a youth pastor in Dunedin, and a young person came to see me, as they would do. And by the time she left, she said, Peter, do you know that my friend's mum is in hospital, and she, that all the family are together, and they don't think she's going to live the day out? No, I said, I didn't know. And so, um, in that moment, we prayed for the situation together. And so when she left, I really believe God was saying, PJ, I just want you to go there. Well, you know, when you have the conversation in your head with Father God, yes? I said, I don't even know, I don't even know this woman. And she's in hospital. Well, how do I find her? He said, PJ, I want you to go and I want you to pray for her. Well, I was very familiar in the hospital in Dunedin because I visited lots of people there. But I said, Lord, what, which ward? I knew she had a, a lung disease, and that's why she uh, was in hospital, and that's why they were thinking that her lung would not be able to make her well again. And so I walked into the hospital, and, you know, the respiratory ward, and went to there, and I said, Lord, you have to help me, because I don't know where she is. And is this really you? You, you have to come on board. Because sometimes you think, you make up those things in your head yourself. Anyway, so I walked through the ward. And then a, a young person, a young woman, uh, came out of one of the rooms. And she was so upset and crying. And in a moment, she, she caught her eye to me. Oh, she said, Pastor PJ, my mom is dying. Well, it's, I'm here. I said, I believe I, um, I need to pray for your mum. Would you, would, would you and the family would, would allow me to do that? I know that this young person was a Christian, but her family wasn't and her mum wasn't. I said, can you please ask? And so she went in the room and asked the family, because mum was obviously very sick. And uh, she came back in no check and she said, yes, we all agreed. We got nothing to lose. And so here I walked into this hospital single room. You can only imagine what the atmosphere was because they were all sad. They were all overwhelmed with sadness. People were crying. The room was just full with people. And you know, my, my prayer was, God, just help me. And I said, my name is PJ, and I would like to pray for your mom, if that's okay. And they said, yeah, just please go ahead. So I kneeled down before her bed and I said who I was, I said, I'm PJ and I believe that there is a God who heals and I would, I'm going to pray for you. And so I prayed for her. It was just a simple prayer. Lord, you are the God who's got the power to heal. Heal this woman, restore those lungs in Jesus' name. And so I left the family. I was just shaking because I thought, oh gosh. But anyway, some weeks later, my friend, my young friend, she said, Peter, have you heard the good news? I said, no, what was the good news? She said, my friend's mum is alive and well. She came out of hospital three days after uh, we prayed 
and a miracle happened in that moment. And so we see, you know, a prayer is, is just not about a system, or prayer is not about a program, or, or um, but it, it comes in many forms and shapes, and we can pray for many reasons, and we can pray uh, as worship, we can do it as praise, we can do it as a petition, we can ask for, for things, and, and I mean, prayer, just like in a relationship, I can't even describe all the ways we can pray because uh, praying is like talking to God. You know, you can have a prayer life on your own, and I hope you all have a private prayer life with God, but you can pray for two or three, and we can pray corporate, and it's all, all it's got value, and it's all needed. And some people uh, pray um, because of tradition, and some people uh, pray um, with words that other people have orchestrated. Uh, you know, I have met lovely people, and the only way they pray is, is a prayer made by somebody else. But they believe that it, that, is, that is for them. And who am I to judge? First, I was very judgmental. But who am I to judge that that is not a good prayer? Because it's the heart that God looks at. So you can pray at any time and anywhere. That is just wonderful. Because God is already there where you are. He, he, is, he is here today. And even if you walk out, he's with you. He is in you. So you can't flee from God's presence. You know, it's simply talk to God. But he is not just another person. God is the most high. We, we, there is a reverence. It's not like, hey, you. We're talking to the most high God. We also talked about the, him who's got the highest authority. Make no mistake, our government's got authority, but our God's got the highest authority. And when we have that relationship, it is just so, so personal. So that means you and me have authority. That we have been given. That's what Jesus, I'll give you all authority. On the authority to, uh, to drive out demons. And I can tell you, Yelta and myself have, have kicked out a few demons in our lifetime. You know you can pray for healing, for strength, it, 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 whatever it costs, but you've got authority to pray. You know, not in my own name, but in the name of Jesus. So we got this relationship with Father God, but we also have this relationship with Jesus. And then we got the Holy Spirit, and they all work together to get the work done. They all are really willing and always wanting us to connect with them so that you can get your work done. You know, prayer is, can be like a weapon because it can be very, very dangerous in some places. The other me have been to Papua New Guinea and, and even to Indonesia with mission trips and, and, and faced many conflicts with uh, principalities and powers, uh, people who were really into witchcraft and all that stuff. And then you need to have the authority of God to be able to bring breakthrough, 
to really bring healing. And it does not come in your own name. It becomes in the name of Jesus. The Bible talks about, it says, the prayer of a righteous man, and obviously which includes us as women, prevails much. It's powerful, and it is effective. So I call this message, voice it. We need to voice it to the highest authority. Voice. We all have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice already, but we have a voice by the most high God to voice what is going on, to voice what you need, or for somebody else. You're going to be praying in faith. Yeah? Praying is for those things that we hope for, but we cannot see. We pray to a God who is able and can do succeedingly well beyond that we can imagine. That's the God we talk about. You know, you can use your own words, or some people use words that are made up by others, but you can also use your mingle your words with the word of God. And I find that always very powerful because the word of God is active. It's powerful. It, it brings change. It brings breakthrough. So however you pray, you know, you have to find your rhythm and your way. But praying with scripture is a really good combo, I always say. It's a good combo. And prayer is active. And so you even know there are times you don't know how to pray. I've been in many situations and I think, Lord, how do we pray? And you know, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. He is there to help us. He invites us to come on board and so we can, he can help us how to pray. And if all, all fails, you can always speak in tongues if that's what you do. Because speaking in tongues, it goes beyond every boundary and it goes straight away to the highest authority. Sometimes we don't even know what we pray when we pray in tongues, but I tell you, that is a language that God very well understands. So the most familiar prayer is the Lord's Prayer, and you all probably know it, our Father, which Jesus taught his disciples. My earliest memories, memories of my dad is hearing him pray. We are a family of nine, and for every meal we would pray. Dad would always pray. And when we finish meal, he will always pray again and thank for the food three times a day. That was tradition. That was the good habit. And when somebody had a birthday, I don't know how he did it, but he incorporated um, in his set prayer our name in there. And he always got very emotional. And then my mom started to sniff because she got emotional. And before, no, we were all emotional. And because, why? Because it was so personal. Whatever you pray, you know, it is a way of expressing ourselves to our Father, to our God, to your God. And, and sometimes we do it in our head. I pray a lot in my head. Um, and working things out in our head with God. But there comes a time we need to voice it out loud. 
to to bring the frustration or the, the, the thing that you need, the emotion that is behind it, to actually to voice it. When I was 17, I had already worked in a bakery for five years. It doesn't mean I didn't have any schooling. I did in the midst of it. But I worked in a large bakery um, with a shop and whole, whole shebang. And the people were, they were so happy with me because Peter was very capable. Uh, she knew the whole business. She ordered everything. She ordered the staff around and the bakers around and all of that. They were very happy with me. Very. My mom was also in there, very happy with me because I would bring home the bacon. You know what I mean. Very, very good. And with a big family, that was very well received, you know, bring some baking home and stuff like that. But after five years, you know, I was inside. And, and because everybody thinks that, you know, it, it's a good thing for you. But all of us, you know, I've been just sitting in my <clears throat> inside. I was just so fed up and so frustrated. Um, I think... I was thinking, if this is my life all about, then I'm not going to be very happy. And then one day, the shop was, nobody in the shop. And I don't know what came over me, but all of a sudden I voiced my frustration loud up. And it even gave myself a fright. And I heard myself saying, God, if this is my life all about, I'm not going to be happy. Do something. That was the first time in my life that I actually became personal with God. I was 17 years old. Although I've been born in a Christian environment, but we were not taught to have that personal relationship. And you know, in nine months' time, everything had changed. I left home when I was barely 18, or not even 18 years old. I left home. Mom and Dad were not happy and started my training in nursing and psychogeriatrics. Everything changed because I voiced it, because I knew there was more to my life what I saw in this bakery shop. You know, life as we know it is full of challenges. Wouldn't you agree? And, um, and Jesus said himself, in this life you will have trouble. But he said, I have overcome. Um, and then it says in James, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And I, I have my take on it, it develops resilience when we go through lots of difficult times. So I have a question for you. And I'm not asking you to put up your hand if this applies to you. But you can... Um, put your hand up in your heart. The question is, have you ever lost somebody very close to you? A family? A friend? Have you struggled through divorce? Or a miscarriage? Abortion? Have you been a recipient of domestic abuse? Or more violence? Emotional? Spiritual? Lived through a natural disaster. 
You know, maybe you were in the earthquake in Christchurch. Have you been bullied at school or been abused in one way or another? You made redundant. You faced or you're still in fertility, infertility. Maybe you struggled with mental illness. Maybe you have been in bankruptcy. You had a difficult marriage. Were you still in it? Your physical impairment. You've been in a car accident. You had cancer or you survived cancer. Or you're living today in a pandemic. And many of us can pull our hand up to one or a few more. What I'm trying to say, that adversity does not discriminate. We all go through stuff. Stuff happens to all of us in one way or another. And, and you're still sitting here at home, and you're still alive, and you, you come through some difficult times, not because we are so good and great, but we have a God who's with us in those times. And that helps us to get through it. But it also helps us to grow. Because in our pain and struggle, God causes us to grow. You know, many prayers have been said. But it does build perseverance and it builds resilience in us that in the midst of those times, God was and still is with us. Nothing has changed. You know, at the moment, the earth is groaning, isn't it? Oh, that's how I see it. The earth is groaning of everything that is going on. We live in, in chaotic times. In my lifetime, I've never seen anything like that. And it's not only here in New Zealand, it is all over the world. As we face this health and pandemic, economic crises, job losses, we've seen uh, protests all over the world. People voice themselves with their anger and their frustration, with their governments and who else. We've seen violence but because people become so frustrated what is happening and how our governments and nations are dealing with it and people are so frustrated and then we see people get so angry and they voice that and you can hear it in their voices and you can hear what they're doing in the streets of some cities. There is a lot of pain and a lot of struggle going on at this time because we experience something that we have never gone before. Not us as a nation, but all over the world. I'll come back to that later. But it is not cool to lose your call. Some people lose their call in times like this. So, you know, when tough times come to us, what do you tell yourself? It is so important to know what we tell ourselves when difficult times come on our scene. 
Do you respond? Why me? Why me? Well, you won't get an answer to that because in this life you will have trouble. In this life you will have trials. And sometimes people sink when things are coming on their scene. They sink. They get so overwhelmed with what is happening. And, and we do get overwhelmed in moments like this. And I think God allows us to be overwhelmed in times like that. But we can't, doesn't want us to stay in, this, in that framework of overwhelmed because he wants us to get through it. And he is God who helps us to get through it. You know, what doesn't help if you are on social media? You know, you, see, you go on Instagram and Facebook, TikTok, well, you name it, all these. You know, they're all happy, clappy people, uh, all beautiful, look at me. Uh, now, obviously, in the summer, we've got all these nice summer pictures of people going on holidays and eating beautiful view, food and stuff like that. I'm here on the boat, and, you know, and it looks like, oh, we're all happy. But don't be fooled. That is not a whole story. It might look good, but we all go through things. And on the other hand, uh, the media is bombarding us with all kinds of threats that might be coming our way and with this thing and that thing. And uh, it is just endless. And that creates fear. That can create fear in our lives. And, you know... Um, because it's been happening for such a long time. You know, our brains, for some of us, we go into that stress response and push the button of stress, and then, you know, our minds go haywire, and then we don't feel so good. I can tell you, uh, most grown-ups are a bit more resilient because they've been through stuff. But for our young people, for our teens, their brains cannot, are not able to, to process it all. And for their young brains, it's not really good to be bombarded through all those threats that the media presents us with. So if you've got young people, if you've got children, please help, help them to distance from all that news that is going on because their young brains are not able to process and, you know, and then the stress but get pushed. And, you know, when we are stressed, we're not functioning the same. We all get stressed at times. I mean, that's normal, yeah? But we can't live in a stress situation all the time because that is detrimental to our health. So I'm sure you have this verse many times before from Philippians 4, verse 49. Do not be anxious. And I mean, do not be anxious can mean a lot. It's not just that you're anxious, but you can be worried. You feel stressed. You are concerned. You be overwhelmed. It means anxious can mean a lot of things. But it says about anything, and we can get about anything that can get ourselves in a bit of alarm mode. But, I always say the but there is a holy but because it doesn't stop there. But in every prayer 
and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will transcend all understanding and guide your heart. I'm going to read it now from the message translation. And it might sound a wee bit different, and you might like that better. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let your petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything comes together for good and will settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. God is in the business of that. So at any time when we, when we are feeling like that, and if I ask you to show a, hand of, a show of hands at home or here, then uh, we are all getting concerned or worried at times. That is normal. That is very normal. But what do you do when you are? Do you let it run wild in your head or do you put a pause button in and put a prayer button on? We, and some time ago we had uh, a backpackers with 25 beds and it was in the summer and um, you know it's busy in the summer with 25 beds and people and we had our grandchildren staying with us they were in those days still very young and uh, when I was a young mum I made a practice um, well because you never the kids never leave you alone do they where can I flee from my, my children you cannot flee from your children when they're so young because they always follow you. And so when I became a new Christian uh, in 1985, um, I would go to the bathroom or to the toilet and so just get some peace and quiet and I would get on my knees in the toilet and because I was worried, concerned, whatever it was, what heavy, whatever. And I would just pray, God, just help me. I would kneel down and believing that God, by the time I walked out of that toilet, I would be able to, to manage and to cope. And so in the backpackers, it was one of those overwhelming days and everybody had something to say or to negative to say and... Um, my, my grandchildren were with me and yeah, where can I flee from my grandchildren? Nowhere, because they were little and I just needed to have that space. So I went to the toilet and uh, young Carmel, she, is, uh, she turns 18 uh, next week, I think, or the week after. Young Carmel came, can I come, Beba? Yeah, of course, you can come. And so I started to kneel down in the, in the, in the toilet and she said, what are you doing? Well, Beba, what are you doing? I said, Beppa just needs to pray. Because, you know, I was at the end of my tether. And so I kneeled down on the, in the toilet. And so she kneeled down with me. And so together we prayed for God to help us. That's only what it takes. I run off into the toilet here. For a particular reason, because I need God's help and I just need to have some space. So when 
tough times overwhelm us and we, we don't want to get swallowed up and, and, and there are moments we are swallowed up with, with whatever is going on. If it's grief because we lost something so personal and so close to us. But even if I walk through the valley of death, you know, if it's that, it, the promise is, I will be with you. That is the promise. In the midst of, of all what's going on, you can choose life. And I mean with life, there I believe the promises of God. You can choose life or death. Go on all the negativity zone, or you can choose life and believe all the promises in, that God has in the Bible for us. And every promise is a yes and amen. You can take them on. You know, it is like find ways to be grateful. And I think the world has caught on to this, this thing, but it is a really a godly thing. Find ways to be grateful. Find ways to be thankful. You know the serenity prayer? Do you know that one? It goes like this. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference because some things that is beyond your control you cannot change but you have a God who goes above and beyond like I told the story about, the, about the, that woman who got, a woman who got healed it didn't look anything good I tell you another story, and Yadami were called to uh, some people to a house. It was a bit in the wop wops, and they said, "Can you please come to the house because um, the birds are just flying into the windows all the time?" And it had quite a few windows, uh, and the man was not a believer or anything like that, but he was freaked out because all the birds. Uh, who are flying around and they are flying through the windows and they died. I don't know how many birds died around his house and it freaked him so out and he didn't know what to do. You know, and what do you do? And so when we got the call to come to this house because of the birds, I think, Lord, I've never, never faced this uh, issue before. Um, but you know, God has given us all authority. And so we explained who we were and we talked about God and all of that and then we got a power to ask things in his name. And so we just yelled at me, went hardcore and told the birds to <laughs> leave this house alone and not, not flying into the windows. I don't know how we prayed. No birds ever died on that section again because I don't know you do sometimes don't know how to pray but you believe that God can make a difference and this man experienced something of God that he has never experienced before you know sometimes you go to a place and you feel yuck ever been to in a shop and you feel yuck you feel ugh Gosh, it just feels. Or sometimes uh, we walk in a shop and I think, no, we're not going into shop because you can feel the atmosphere. 
But even if you have sometimes been in the shop uh, and you get out and you feel yuck or you feel something is sitting on you, pray. Don't leave it hanging around you. Pray. God, lift this thing, whatever this is, this, this thing. Pray it off in Jesus' name. We pray it off in our house. When we had a backpackers, oh, people dumped all kinds of spiritual things in our home. And so then we pray through the house again. And so God, lift anything that is not of you. We rebuke all these spiritual forces or whatever is, is hassling our home because the peace was disturbed. You need to take authority. And you know what? It will go in Jesus' name. So prayer can change the atmosphere just like that. Or can it change the atmosphere around your life, your family, in your home? Anyway, I'm going to talk about Hannah. We all know Hannah, and if you don't know Hannah, she's in 1 Samuel 1. Hannah was a wife to Alkana, and he had, she was not his only wife. He had two wives, which was not unusual in those days. Um, and so Hannah really desperately wanted to have a child. But in the word says it got closed her womb. But the other wife was just fruitful as. And you can only imagine how painful it was for Hannah uh, to be experienced that year after year after year. And um, there were days that she couldn't even eat because she was just so sad and so just so overwhelmed. And so when we come to the story, they went to the temple again, as they did every year. And so once they were finished eating and drinking, and so then Hannah uh, left, left um, the table. And now it says, Now Eli the priest was sitting on the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. And in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you only look upon your servant's misery and remember and not forget your servants to give me a son. And then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of her life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept praying to the Lord. And Eli observed her lips and they were moving, but no voice was heard. And he thought she was drunk. Have you ever prayed that much that, you, that it looked like you were drunk? She obviously was a, quite a bloody mess. She was messy because she was so desperate. She was in so much pain and so much struggle. And so Eli says, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. I've heard that story before. It looks like they were drunk, but they were not drunk. It was in the New Testament. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled, and I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord, and do not take your servant to wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my greatest anguish and grief, and in her pain and in her struggle, 
she was birthing a promise. Every time when we pray, we are birthing the promise of being healed or being delivered or find a breakthrough or get peace. And here Hannah in her turmoil, it, it, it obviously was not a beautiful sight, but God doesn't care about that. God wants us to pour our heart and soul out to him how things really are for us, to voice it. You know, God can deal with the words that you speak. And in the midst of that turmoil, she birthed the promise, which was her son Samuel. Some years ago, I went to a women's conference. I've been to many women's conferences in my <laughs> life. This one has stood out. There was a speaker. I can't even remember her name. Uh, but at the end of her speaking, um, she really said, I really feel that um, we need to pray for those women who are struggle with infertility. And you know, there was quite a hush for all of a sudden. And I said, I want those women to just come forward. I mean, this is not a couple of years ago. This was in the late 90s. We didn't uh, voice those things to each other. That was quite a hidden thing. There was not all the help that women could get for uh, fertility treatment. And so she made an, a second appeal. And all of a sudden, we heard this wail of some of the ladies, a wail I've never heard before of, of anguish and pain and, and all of that. And, and there was one who started, and then I don't know how many felt the same pain, felt the same struggle. I have never heard anything like it. It was a wailing and a crying, and, and the women were given permission to voice their pain and their suffering. And I thought maybe two or three might come forward. But I was just so amazed. And all, there was a whole altar call of young women all carrying this hidden pain. But then the atmosphere changed because a word of hope was spoken out in the midst of this pain and struggle that God is able to do succeedingly well beyond of everything we imagine. And so these preachers spoke the words of hope, they spoke the words of faith, and believing for God to bring breakthrough to every, every woman, every wife that was there. That conference has changed many lives for those who were... Uh, observers or part of it one year after we never heard so many testimonies of babies being born uh, babies in the making it was just amazing such a blessing but what was it is actually giving a voice to your struggle 
voice it, and that you are not on your own. We always think whatever we're going through, we're all by ourselves and nobody needs to know. But as soon as we voice our struggle, our pain, I believe there is already a breakthrough in there and not keeping it hidden for yourself. Because God is a God of breakthrough. God is a God of miracles. God is a God who brings provision. God is a God who brings healing. And I never forget that conference again because of that. What we heard, the pain, but also a year after, the blessing, what came out of it. So now in this world, there is so much struggle and there is so much pain. There is. But I, I just cannot help myself. I have to believe that God is birthing something in the midst of all of this pain and this struggle, not only in New Zealand, but all over the world. That, that we have a God who makes all things work for the good, for his purpose. That is our God. And maybe you don't believe it, but I have this faith in me. That, you know, God is able to make birth something. Because in all the pain and struggle, what is going on? He makes all things work together. I'm praying. Because we always uh, focus on the negative, you know, how the world looks. But do you know that in the last days, it says also that God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And you know, we don't hear about that. But that is still going to happen as well. So, pray without ceasing. That is my thing. Pray without ceasing. And give thanks in every circumstances. And you know what? That is God's will for you and my life. That is God's will. If you think, what is God's will for my life? Pray without ceasing. And give thanks in every circumstances. So Jesus. Cousin Blacks to Jesus. Jesus went through a lot of pain and struggle for us. A lot. Because he birthed something that we had never seen before or had never done before. He prayed in the garden and wanted this thing to be over because he was overwhelmed with sorrow. Jesus knows when we are what it's like to be overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed with sorrow, but he wanted to do the will of the Father and, and went through this. But he went through this there was so much pain. There was so much abuse. There was so much struggle. There was so much sorrow. But he did it because of the joy set before him. Ask a mother who's in labor. Hmm. Just get this child out of me. Because it's so much pain and so much struggle. But the blessing is when we hold this child, the joy set before us, and that is Jesus, the joy set before us. I don't know if you ever watched The Passion of the Christ. 
Anybody? Well, if you haven't, uh, it used to be on DVD, but obviously it might be somewhere on Netflix or something like that. It's painful to watch, to see Jesus being so abused and so hurt, and I could hardly, hardly watch it because it was just beyond how much pain he went through. But he did it for you and for me. The joy set before us because he wants to overcome sin and death so that you and me will be forgiven. But not only that, we also have eternal life. We must never take lightly what Jesus did for us on the cross. Never take it lightly. Never be complacent about it. Because Jesus done it all for us on the cross. It says in Hebrews 12, Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us or for you. We all got our race to run. And you need to to run your race. But fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, and he sat down on the right hand of the Father. This is our God. And whatever you are facing today, or going to face in the future, we all will have to face struggles, challenges, and troubles. But knowing this, with God, we are able to get through it. God is on our side.